Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. We're back in the book of Deuteronomy. We're going to be starting back in chapter 11, putting in verse 15. Verse 15 reads, And he will give grass in your fields for your livestock, and you shall eat and be full. Now, Moses is telling the people here to remember that everything that they're going to get from the rain and the land and and what grows on the land in this new promised land is going to be from from God. McGee makes the point that in our society today when we don't grow our own food, food comes from the grocery store, we don't get our own water that just comes in through the pipes, we take everything for granted in in our complex lifestyle. But God is telling the people here just to count your blessings. Everything comes from God. The rain and the land and the the, the things that are grown in the land all comes from God. God blesses you. God blesses the land. And everything that your livestock and your animals eat comes from God. Everything that you eat comes from God. We ought to take heed on that today. Then we'll drop down to verse 24. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. Your territory shall be from the wilderness to the Lebanon, from the river Uh, the river Euphrates to the western sea. No one shall be able to stand against you. The Lord your God will lay the fear of you and the dread of you on the land that you shall tread as he promised you. This is a big territory. McGee makes the point that Israel has never fully taken possession of this promise. This is sort of an unfulfilled promise, even today. It's like 300,000 square miles of land that God's promised them. And they've only taken possession maybe of around 30,000 or something like that. Maybe it's 3,000, but 30,000, something like that. Um, uh, the point being uh, that it's a, it's a smaller percentage. So as, we're, as we look forward to Christ's returning, um, he, when he reestablishes the borders of the kingdom, um, that may be, um, that may be, full possession uh, coming soon. Um, in any event, um, we drop it down to verses uh, twenty-six. See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing 
if you obey the commandments of the Lord, your God, which I command you today, and the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord, your God, but turn aside from the way I'm commanding you today to go after other gods that you have not known. What a big warning he gives them. He gives them blessings if you follow my teaching and ways, but if you disobey, if you're following other gods, and even today, you know, other gods could be politics, popularity, um, it could be uh, wealth, it could be, um, you know, all kinds of sin or all kinds of things that you put your faith in, man-made knowledge. If you chase these idols down, you know, same thing. You can worship those things as a god. So these people here were polytheistic. They had many multiple gods. So Christianity um, and God is teaching there's only one God. You know, the Lord, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. We have one God as opposed to they with many gods. And even today, our culture is atheistic. Our culture believes in no God, but we have one God. And uh, But our culture, even though the atheists believe in no gods, they actually have made <clears throat> so many other things their God. Politics, popularity, wealth, man-made wisdoms. So, in that sense of the word, we still live in a polytheistic society. Multiple false images of God or gods. Um, even though the society is atheistic, um, they claim no God, but they have so many things that this society does worship. Okay, chapter 12. These are the statutes and rules that you shall be careful to do in the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you to possess all the days that you live on earth. You shall surely destroy all the places where the nations whom you shall dispossess serve their gods on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. You shall tear down their altars and dash in places their pillars and burn their ashram with fire. You shall chop down the carved images of their gods and destroy their name out of that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way, but you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of your tribes to put his name and make his habitation there. There you shall go. Look what he's saying. I'll give you a blessing and a curse. The blessing is what I give you. The curse is if you don't follow me, if you don't, if you start worshiping other gods. And now he's saying, when you go into these lands, you not only possess the lands, but you get rid of the sin. You get rid of what is there, the false gods, before you worship. Get it out of your life. And even today, when we go worship God, get the other gods out of your life. Don't go to God with, you know, carrying around your false idols of politics and man-made wisdoms and and popularity and pride, uh, self-indulgences. All these things are false gods. Get rid of them. Destroy them. God cannot tolerate 
sin and false idolatry in His presence. And it's so important for our lives today as we seek a relationship with God today, with the Holy Spirit dwelling us, get rid of sin, get rid of all these false idols in that dwell in us. Just as Israel is getting rid of them in the land that they are to inhabit. Now we'll drop down to verse 15. However you may slaughter and eat meat within any of your towns as much as you desire, according to the blessing of the Lord your God that he has given you, the unclean and the clean may eat of it as the gazelle and as of the deer. Only you shall not eat the blood. You shall pour it out on the earth like water. God is saying there he's making provisions for the people to eat food you know, outside of the food that they're supposed to give for sacrifices. Um, but just don't eat the blood. He's very careful. Emphasis is here is on the blood that gives life. Now, eventually, this system of sacrifices is going to, is going to, is not going to be good enough. And it then becomes for the ultimate sacrifice. It is pointing to the ultimate sacrifice of the Lord Jesus, that his sacrifice and his blood will be shed to cover all of our sins for once and for all. Verse 20, when the Lord your God enlarges your territory as he has promised you, and you will say, I will eat meat because you crave meat, and you may eat meat whenever you desire. If the place that the Lord your God will choose to put his name there is too far from you, then you may kill any of your herd or your flock which the Lord has given you, as I have commanded you, and you may eat within your towns whenever you desire, just as the gazelle or deer is eaten, so you may eat of it. The unclean and the clean alike may eat of it. Only be sure that you do not eat the blood, for the blood is the life, and you shall not eat the life with the flesh. So, again, emphasis on the blood, pointing eventually to the blood that will be shed for us from Jesus Christ to cover all sin. Verse 30, take care that you not be ensnared to follow them after they have been destroyed before you, that you do not inquire about their gods, saying, How do these nations serve their gods that I also may do the same? You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. For every abominable thing that the Lord hates, they have done for their gods. For they even burn their sons and their daughters in the fire to their gods. Everything that I command you, you shall be careful to do. You shall not add to it or take away from it. He's saying, look, now that you're in these lands, don't even ask. Don't even try to figure out what they used to do because you might be ensnared to do the same thing. Be very, very careful. And that's what we're supposed to do today. Be very, very careful. Don't even get close to what people are trying to do. Don't even get close to being ensnared in politics or um, popularity or pride or money or possessions. Don't even get close. Now we're coming to chapter 13, talking about how important it is when people start proclaiming things. If a prophet, prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, verse 2, and if the sign or wonders that pass, he tells you, comes to pass, and if he says, let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them, 
you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or the dreamer of dreams. Okay? Be very, very careful. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear Him and keep His commandments and obey His voice and you shall serve Him and hold fast to Him. But that prophet or dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he's taught you rebellion against the Lord your God who has brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of slavery to make you leave the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall Purge the evil from your midst. All right? Get rid of evil. Get rid of sin. He's saying it in every way possible. And that's for us today, too. So we're going to stop here. We'll turn the rest of the podcast over to our co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Look forward to hearing uh, what you've got to say today on this great teaching. As always, for me to all of you, keep your hearts centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. And we'll see you here next time. Today being Friday, we'll take a break for the weekend and meet back here Monday as we continue our study through Deuteronomy. God bless you all, and we'll see you next time. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Deuteronomy chapter 11, beginning at verse 15 all the way through to Deuteronomy chapter 13 verses 1 through to verse 6. So when we started this chapter, chapter 11, we stated that this chapter had to do with the promised land, not like Egypt. And then um, God actually gives them the principle of occupancy. So Egypt was a land that had to do with irrigation. And this new land that they were given, you know, it was rocky and hilly and all and it had everything to do with God guiding them and being there um, in order for them to um, you know um, start out and be successful it wasn't like um, Egypt that depended on um, the irrigation from the river Nile so we are going to drop down so technical, you know, when the chapter began, when we began this chapter, it was talking about, um, you know, the land that they were going to. It wasn't compared to the same as um, the land they were coming from. And now God actually gives them the principle of occupancy of the new land here in um, Israel, the promised land. So we drop down to verse 24 of chapter 11. Of the book of Deuteronomy and chapter 24 reads, Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. From the wilderness and Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even to the western sea, and this is the Mediterranean Sea, shall be your territory. So we have here the principle of occupancy of land and the basis on which they will occupy that land. And we'll have... This again given in the book of Joshua as well. So here, verse in verse 24, the land he's, God is actually giving them is a land that's much greater than they have ever occupied. So it was a land from the wilderness of Lebanon, from the Euphrates River, um, onto the Western Sea, that's the Mediterranean Sea, like I said earlier. And this is a land that's approximately... 
300,000 square miles, but they only occupied about 30,000 of it. Even at uh, the time of the kingdom's um, you know, peak, when they reached um, their zenith under David and Solomon. That's the amount of space they occupied. Now, the basis on which they get this land is um, actually this here, verse 25, which reads, No man shall be able to stand against you. The Lord your God will put the dread of you and the fear of you upon all the land where you tread, just as he has said to you. So here, every place where um, the soles of their feet shall tread upon will be theirs. So they actually never occupied very much of that land and it was given to them. So it was theirs, but they never actually enjoyed it because they didn't walk upon it. So they didn't lay hold of it. And God told Joshua when they entered the land that it was theirs, but they had to walk upon it and lay hold of it. Uh, so there are so many times today as Christians, you know, so many um, Christians today, so many of us sitting on the sidelines and, um, you know, you know, so many of us Christians are poverty stricken spiritually. You know, God makes it very clear to us, to Christians, blessed, we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. So God has blessed us with spiritual blessings. But are we laying hold of them? Or are we just sitting on the sidelines and watching? So there are a lot of people today who are very rich spiritually. But very few of us enjoy these spiritual blessings. This is because we don't make these spiritual blessings um, ours. We don't claim them. Um, we are lazy. So we don't lay hold of our possessions, just like these Israelites. They were given so much land that they didn't lay hold of them. They occupied very little territory of the 300,000 square miles that they were given. Verse 26 goes on to read, Behold, I set before you today a blessing and a curse. Verse 27, The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord, your God, which I command you today. So, obedience is the very essence of the entire matter as far as they are concerned here. And today, obedience is not you know, top-notch. It's not a priority in, in people's lives. So we are saved by God's grace. And he kept, and we actually kept by his grace. So there are great spiritual blessings today that we are going to miss if we are not obedient unto him. Scripture says, if you love me, that's Lord Jesus Christ, actually. He said, if you love in the New Testament, if you love me, keep my commandments. So here, if we love the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to be obedient. We're going to keep his commandments. Verse 27, 28 reads, And the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way which I command you today to go afar, to go after, sorry, other gods, which you have not known. So God gave them ten commandments. And of these, two had to do with idolatry. And um, this was, you know, the grave danger of 
these people, the children of Israel. They were constantly lapsing into idolatry. And now God deals with them in chapter 12, which we'll see later on, when he says Israel is to only have one place of worship in that land. So now we get to chapter 12. And chapter 12, verse 1 reads, These are the statutes and judgments which you shall be careful to observe in the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving to you is giving you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. You shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations which you shall dispossess served their gods on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree and you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars and burn their wooden images with fire. You shall cut down the carved images and their gods and destroy their names from that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God with such things. So here um, the reason that these people went into Babylonian captivity was because they had gone into idolatry and the reason that God's judgments came upon them uh, one after another in the times of the judges when they ruled over them was cause of idolatry and it was the thing that Elijah the first and one of the greatest prophets leveled his message against that's idolatry in the land and today we can't say you know we don't practice idolatry because we don't have these carved images and all you know we are way advanced and all. That's not true because anything that we actually put between our souls and God is our idol. And it can be anything. It can be money. It can be, you know, our paycheck. It can be our jobs. It can be sports. It's vanity. It can be ourselves. It can be, you know, so people put their children. And this was the great danger of Israel. That's the danger that we're in today. We tend to idolize things material things before god verse 5 goes on to read but you shall seek the place where the lord your god chooses out of all your tribes to put his name for his dwelling place and there you shall go so this was to be the heart of the land and the place that uh, we'll finally see um that was chosen was jerusalem it became that place that the temple was actually built there that became the place they were to worship God and were to go there. So God didn't permit it in every other place because idolatry was in that land. So they were commanded to destroy the idols, which they didn't. So they were commanded to go to one place and... This also unified their worship. It brought them closer together as a people. So they were one when they went to the feast in Jerusalem. So they should be a oneness among believers today as well. You know, when we worship Christ. So we don't meet in one place, obviously, today to worship. Because the Lord Jesus Christ said to the woman at the well, 
in the New Testament. Believe me, woman, the hour comes and now is when true worshippers will worship God neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem. So the true worshippers will worship God in spirit and truth. Today, we actually meet around one person and that person is Lord Jesus Christ. We don't meet at one place, but we meet, you know, at one person. We all are worshipping the Lord Jesus Christ. So the, the name of the church, you know, the denomination one belongs to, you know, the building type, the location, all that's not important. The important thing is that um, we all meet around one person. Um, and, and that's Christ. It's not about what denomination you belong to. So if they don't, they have, if, if you go to church and in a church, they actually don't meet around the person of Jesus Christ, then there's, you know, they're idol worshiping, obviously, because there's something that they're meeting around. So it can be entertainment, it can be the music and you know, things like that. That's their idol worship. If a church, um, you may find it's even like, Oh, hey, Bible-believing church and all. But if you're not meeting around the person, if their principles, they're not meeting around the person of Christ, then what are they meeting around for? It's idol worship. So drop down to verse 15. And it reads, However, you may slaughter and eat meat within all your gates. So this is, you know, one of the principles of, you know, going into the land. You know what they were to eat so it reads however you may slaughter and eat meat within all your gates whether your whatever your heart desires according to the blessing of the lord your god which he has given you the unclean and the clean may eat of it of the gazelle and the deer alike Verse 16 only you shall not eat the blood you shall pour it on the earth like water so here he mentions something they can eat and not eat. So because they were unclean animals, so they were not to be, um, you know, labeled off. They were to eat with um, the clean animals. And verse 16, you know, this was here in verse 16, sorry, it reads, let me just read it again. Only you shall not eat the blood you shall pour it on the earth like water. So this was to be uh, either for queen or unclean animals. Dropping down to verse 20, to verse 20 reads, When the Lord your God enlarges your border as he has promised you, and you say, Let me eat meat because you long to eat meat. You may eat as much meat as your heart desires. So he's actually... Uh, talking still about clean animals here, the, the meat. Verse 21 goes on to read, If the place where the Lord your God chooses to put his name is too far from you, then you may slaughter from your herd and from your flock, which the Lord has given you, just as I have commanded you, and you may eat within your gates as much as your heart desires. So if an Israelite had for some, you know, extraordinary circumstance um being forced to go far from his hometown and at that time of the year there was you know one of the feasts in jerusalem and it's far from jerusalem 
like they were maybe far away, like to Babylon or Greece, what was he to actually do? So these are the regulations for him. He is to offer that of the flock and he shall offer it as a sacrifice. Um, be it unclean, but as long as you know he poured out the blood. And um, verse 22, dropping down to verse 22, which reads, Just as the gazelle and the deer are eaten, so you may eat them. The unclean and the clean alike may eat them. Verse 23, only be sure that you do not eat the blood, for the blood is the life. You may not eat the life with the meat. So under certain circumstances, like I mentioned, um, they would actually be permitted to eat an unclean animal. As it may be that they are in a place where there was no clean animals. But regardless of whether clean or unclean, they were to never eat the blood under any condition and the blood actually represents the life and that's the reason there is such an emphasis here in scripture upon the blood of the lord jesus christ verse 30 goes on to read take heed to yourself that you are not ensnared to follow them after they are destroyed from before you and that you do not inquire after their gods saying how did you how did these nations serve their gods i will do likewise so this is the nation this is talking about the nations that are in the land at this time and are going to be cut off so these are the nations that the children of israel found in that land verse 31 reads you shall not worship the lord your god in that way for every abomination to the lord which he hates they have done their gods they had done they have done to their gods for they burn their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods so this um actually this was actually one of the most cruel methods of worship, like crude and cruel and just pagan, where they actually placed the children in, you know, the molten red hot idol's hands. So, um, you know, they had idols that were in the shape mostly of a Buddha sitting with arms. And they would heat up this idol, which was red hot, and they just dropped their children, their babies in the idol's hands so it's um in the worship of uh baal and moloch and you know other little forms of worship and god says he actually hates that verse 32 goes on to read whenever whatever i command you be careful to observe it you shall not add to it nor take away from it so the lord says if they do what these other nations that they found in that land do he will actually treat them exactly as he treated these nations so god just doesn't take note of you know one people above the other he doesn't have favorites he doesn't pick and choose you know he's unbiased towards a certain group because no one's special you know we're all the same in the eyes of the lord he loves us the same and 
And if we love him, we will obey his commandments. We'll be obedient. So God's love is infringed on obedience. We get to chapter 13 and chapter 13. Um, here, um, there's a warning against the test um, of false prophets and false gods. So verse 1 of chapter 13 reads, If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of the that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So here, this actually gives us the answer to a lot of people's questions who actually tend to naively believe and follow false prophets and you know these dreamers of dreams who actually sometimes give accurate predictions. Or those ones who, you know, they go to these cults and all and, you know, they get some sort of healing. Uh, so it gives this answer. God says, don't believe those false prophets who actually perform these miracles and who do wonders if they deny the great truths of the Christian faith. So these are dreamers and wonders that they say, oh, hey, you know, you have to do this and worship here, faith here, do this. And, you know, sometimes out of luck they are accurate with certain information don't believe them that's what god is saying verse five goes on to read but the prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the lord your god who brought you out of the land of egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall put away the evil from your midst. So the penalty of these false prophets was death. Verse 6. If your brother, the son of your mother, your son or your daughter, the wife of your bosom, or your friend who is as your own soul secretly entices you saying, let's go and serve other gods which you have not known, neither you nor your fathers. So here, you know, this punishment, the death punishment, it actually extends even to family. Cancer is a rot that should actually be cut off, and God is a great physician that will cut out the rot, the cancer. So it starts from there. One particular person in the church says, oh, hey, I know this faith healer. They healed such and such a person let's go there and actually see them and this faith healer tells you oh bring um bring a, i don't know white goat or white feathers or something like that and they're turning against god cut it out cut it out it will rot from within so yeah this is our teaching for today thank you all for listening and god bless you all have a pleasant day bye bye I'm not going to